Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Hello, and thank you for joining us online here at Bridgewater Church. My name is Liz, and I am the online pastor, but this week I have the joy of being here in person in Cincinnati and Hamilton with our family here, and we are so excited about the things that God is doing in this place. If you were with us last week, you heard all about the celebration that we are having because the church has become debt-free. We called last Sunday Freedom Sunday because we are celebrating the freedom that comes when a debt is no longer owed. And today, I want to dig into a few other areas of our lives that, that might keep us from stepping fully into the freedom that God has promised us in Christ. Did you know that believers in Christ are promised freedom? If you're like me, Free might not always be the word that you use to describe your current behavior or experience. In fact, sometimes I feel the very opposite and can almost feel trapped. I will never forget the first time that I went rock climbing. Partly because it was only like three weeks ago, but also because it was utterly terrifying. Now, there are a few different kinds of rock climbing, and if there are any climbers who are watching this morning, you may hear me just totally muddle this up, but there's a couple different kinds of rock climbing, and I had a friend invite me to go indoor bouldering, and bouldering You don't strap into anything, you aren't on a harness, you aren't on a rope, you aren't necessarily climbing up super high, but you're you're solving these problems and using your arms and your legs to, to pull you into different spots on this wall. And I was like, this feels great because instead of having to rely on a person holding a rope or getting myself up really high, I could just go as far as I wanted and then drop down onto this cushy mat that they have on the ground. Now, in spite of my complete lack of experience, this this seemed like a better option than climbing really high up or using a belay system like, like what they use in indoor climbing gyms. So we get there, and the friendly trainer who is helping me get registered and all signed in says that it would be best if I just go ahead and get auto belay certified, something that you don't have to do if you're just bouldering. But she's like so enthusiastic and like, you can do it, let's just get it done. And then the next time I come into the gym, I'll be totally ready to go. Okay, so I want to look really cool, right? And super chill and like, I can do this climbing thing. So I squeeze my feet into these tiny little climbing shoes and I follow this trainer over to the auto belay wall. There's a picture on the screen of what that looks like. And the deal is that you strap into a harness and there's ropes attached to it. And at the very top, what you see in this like blue circle on the picture here is the rope and it's going to hold tension for you when you decide to come back off the wall. But the thing is, is when you start climbing, you don't actually feel any of that tension that's keeping you safe. 
So the sweet little trainer's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you all strapped in, and then you're going to climb up to that point, and then you're just going to lean on back, and you're going to let go and come on down. I'm like, you're funny. That is what? But instead of saying that out loud, I'm like, I'm going to be cool. Go up to the wall. Miraculously, make it to the point that she's told me to climb past. And I'm like, this is going great. My friend Emily's down on the ground cheering me on. And we get to the part where I'm clinging to the wall, and I'm supposed to just lean back and let go of the wall. And my brain tells me to lean back and let go of the wall. And my body is like, no way. There's no way we're letting go of the wall. So here I am. I'm this like 30-something girl just chilling on this rock wall. There's like children climbing up and down all over me. And I can't, I'm just like, I can't do it. And in my head, I'm like, they're going to have to like bring out a lift. Are they going to, do they have ladders this tall? How are they going to get me off of this wall? And my friend down at the bottom is like, just let go. You got this. The trainer's like, just let go. You got this. Nothing. I'm not moving. So like I turn around, I'm like looking down and there's like a small crowd forming at this point of people who are like, you got this. Just let go. You can do it. I thought there was going to be no way. But I took a deep breath. And I somehow figured out how to override what was happening in my brain. And I leaned back and I let go. And you know what? It caught me. And I just had a nice little drift down to the ground where the small crowd was still gathered to congratulate me while all of the children are still running up and down the wall like it's no big deal. And I had finally accomplished just letting go. Letting go is never easy. Whether you're talking about a rock wall or a child heading off to college or, or maybe saying yes to a career change that God's leading you into, being brave enough to let go of what, what we think we need or what we want is daunting and it might even feel impossible. But the Bible tells us that the opposite is true. In fact, it tells us that our desire to do our own thing and to be in control of our own circumstances is actually like putting on a yoke. Yoke, Y-O-K-E, my, my brain, I don't know where I saw this in my childhood. My brain always likes to think of a yoke as cow handcuffs, even though it's not really handcuffs and it's not only for cows. A yoke is that, that big, sometimes wooden or metal contraption that's put on the neck of cattle or oxen that are dragging big machinery together. It also could be, you know, when you see pictures of people carrying buckets on like a wooden board that goes over your shoulders to keep it balanced and to carry a heavy load, that's also a yoke. And even though it, it allows you to carry something really heavy, it's uncomfortable and it's not sustainable. We're going to be studying Galatians 5 today, and the chapter starts out like this. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, so why do I still find myself stuck at the top of some metaphorical rock walls, still clinging to something that isn't bringing the freedom that we've been promised? I think we might be able to learn a lot from the people of Galatia. In the book of Galatians, like several other books in the New Testament, we see a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul, and this one is to the believers in the city of Galatia. 
And Paul had been there on one missionary trip before, and, and when he had visited them in that earlier trip, he shared the gospel of Jesus with them. And this, this was a huge deal. This announcement that the Messiah that had been waited for had come, and that the Old Testament rules that people had been living under were no longer the way to salvation, this was a huge deal. They were set free. But what's interesting is that after that message and after Paul leaves them, the people in Galatia begin to fall back into some of the same old patterns. These, these false teachers sneak in and convince them that it's not only Jesus that they need, but some of their old ways of being, specifically the practice of circumcision. Now, you might not feel like this is super relatable, probably having never lived under Old Testament law, but I think we have more in common with the Galatians than what we might want to acknowledge. Here we see a group of people that knew that they had to do things in a certain way so that they could maintain perfection required to have favor with God. Their actions, staying within the law, keep them in control. And as long as they did everything just so they were good. And then these false teachers show up and they flame this idea, they flame this fire. And they say that circumcision is still a necessary part of this covenant. And, and Paul dis disagrees and he tells us why. Let's check it out in Galatians chapter 5, verses 4 to 6. He says, You who want to be reckoned as righteous by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. So in Paul's letter, circumcision, it, it comes to represent a human achievement, what, what man can do by his own good works. The gospel, Christ, came to stand for a faith in divine achievement. So we have this human achievement versus divine achievement. And divine achievement is what, what God has done for us in Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Circumcision represented control, our ability to care for ourselves. And Christ means that God is the one who's in control. Paul says that, that you can't have it both ways. If you add anything to Christ, you lose Christ. Salvation is in Christ alone. It's Jesus plus nothing. Martin Luther said it like this, Look to the gospel. It tells me not what I must do, but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me. The message that Paul and that, that Luther restated here is one that combats the idea that we can do it ourselves, that we can figure it all out, get it all done, become our own salvation, this is just not the case. And, and when we believe that it is, we are putting on a yoke that we don't have to carry, a yoke that enslaves. Paul goes on to shift gears a little, and he, he puts it in the positive for us. And in verse 14, he writes, For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're not only set free from something, but we're set free into something. There's a give and take, or maybe, maybe better, better put, there are things that give, and there are things that take. We're not called to love our neighbors on our own, but we are given the fruit of the Spirit in order to live this freedom and this love out. So Paul first makes a list of all of the places and behaviors that we land in when we attempt 
to do it ourselves. And it's quite the list, but one that we all can find at least our own least favorite qualities about ourselves in this list somewhere. Paul calls them works of the flesh, things like impurity, quarrels, anger, envy. He uses the word carousing. These are the things that keep us from true freedom, from the kingdom of God. These are the kinds of things that take. But we aren't expected to simply memorize this list of bad behaviors and then correct our actions. That would be just like this old law that the Galatians have been freed from and that we have been freed from today. Instead, we're given this beautiful list of the fruits of the Spirit. These are gifts that give. Let's look at Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25 together. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. I love that verse 22 starts out with, by contrast. There is another option, another better way of living. We don't have to stay trapped in a list of desires of the flesh. You know that cliche reference to an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other? I like to exclusively picture the version from Emperor's New Groove. You know the one I'm talking about where Kronk has the like little red devil and the little angel and they argue over all these silly things, the little devil's like doing push-ups. Go look it up on YouTube. It's hysterical. But we often live in a space that feels like that, where there's this constant feeling of battle going on, of deciding if we're going to go in this way of righteousness or if we're going to succumb to the desires of the flesh. But I think that if we are living out of the fruits of the Spirit, those decisions are not quite as challenging. The devil on one side is not feeling as overpowering as what we might think of when we read this initial list that Paul gives. When we live a life out of the Spirit, these things, these, these good actions, this righteousness, comes out of the overflow of who God is and what Jesus has done for us. No matter how far up that wall of desires you've climbed or how persuasive it feels like that devil on the shoulder is, there is a better way. And Jesus offers a really clear contrast for the things that take. In the rest of our time together, we're going to look a little more closely at what gives and what takes and what that looks like in our own lives. By taking this list of fruit of the Spirit— so of the things that bloom and blossom and come to fruition out of a life that's lived in Christ, we're going to look at each of those aspects and the ways that they give to our lives. So we're just going to work through it together. Does that sound good? Let's start with joy. Joy gives and jealousy takes. Joy gives and jealousy takes. It is impossible to be joyful and to be jealous at the same time. I watched a sermon given by Stephen Furtick at Elevation Church recently, and he said, there is no formula for happiness that starts with, if I had, fill in the blank. Think about it. Is it true for you? Has scrolling through social media to see what the Joneses are doing now that you need to keep up with ever brought you joy? 
Living with joy gives us the freedom to celebrate the blessings that others are experiencing without it becoming some kind of lack in our own mind. Uh, the moments, the moments of celebration that I have probably missed, wondering if I should have done something differently in order to have what someone else has or to be where someone else is. Those are moments that I not only could have been celebrating and loving my neighbor in greater ways, but moments that I could have seen where God has placed me and has equipped and has freed me with joy. Love gives, jealousy takes. The next two we're going to kind of tie in together because I think they have a lot in common. Peace gives and anxiety takes. Patience gives and impatience takes. Peace gives, anxiety takes. Patience gives, impatience takes. Patience and peace go hand in hand. When we're practicing patience, we have to let go of our timeline, of our desire for instant gratification, and trust in the plan that God has for us and that it will come to pass. I love what Lisa Tierkirst had to say. She writes, I can rest in the fact that God is in control, which means I can face things that are out of my control and not act out of control. Think about that. I can face things that are out of control and not act out of control. When was the last time that you saw someone really obviously out of control and thought, wow, what a patient person? Well, I was waiting at the airport for my flight here to Cincy this week. I observed two different kinds of people. The first kind were visibly agitated, almost always on cell phones, speaking harshly to the gate agents and clearly not happy about their situations. And, and there were tons of weather delays when I was there. And, and I'm sure that these people had reason to be frustrated and places to be, but they were obviously not going to get anywhere by pacing angrily in front of the Frontier Airlines desk. But the second kind of person that I saw was, was like this girl who I overheard talking to her mom on the phone. And she described this travel day that was supposed to have only been a six-hour trip, and it had turned in to 24 hours. And she talked about how rough her last flight had been. But then she was so enthusiastic about how glad she was to have found a flight that morning, how grateful she was to have had the means to afford it, and how much she was looking forward to being home. She appeared calm. She was gracious to the family with small children running around near her. Person one and person two were both going to have to wait until their planes arrived. But person one was going to be getting on with what I assume was a much higher blood pressure and more anxiety about where they were jumping into when they landed. Anxiety is the result of impatience. Let's listen to the words of Lisa Turkhurst and let's Rest in the fact that God is in control. Peace gives, anxiety takes. Patience gives, impatience takes. The next one on the list is kindness. Kindness gives, but selfishness takes. Think about someone in your life who you would describe as truly content. How do they respond to those around them? What motivates them? I'm willing to guess that they're considerate to those around them, that they think more often of others before themselves, and that they're motivated by something bigger than selfish desires. While our motivation for acting with kindness isn't to feel good about ourselves, the end result is that we do feel more fulfilled and content within our own circumstances. Selfishness, like impatience, 
leads to a tight-fistedness and a cutting off of the peace and the joy that God has for us. Our next fruit of the Spirit emphasizes a similar idea, generosity. Generosity gives and greed takes. Living with kindness and with generosity is not some secret key to opening up the gates of blessing in your life. We talked about this some in our, our Breakthrough to Blessing series just a few weeks ago. It's simply living out the gifts, the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been promised as believers in Christ. When I think of blessing, it's easy to think about these tangible things like money and, and good jobs and health. And while God certainly blesses in all of those ways, the greater blessing is the freedom that comes when we are living out of a place of generosity rather than lack. Generosity gives. Greed takes. The next fruit on the list is gentleness. And gentleness gives, but callousness takes. What does gentleness look like? Jesus models gentleness all throughout Scripture. He shows gentleness when he invites the little children to come and to be with him in the midst of a crowded, hectic day. He models gentleness in his response to the woman at the well, in the way that he calls out the Pharisees who were gathered to stone and accuse a woman who was caught in adultery. He even models gentleness in his darkest moments of life on earth. When he, when he cries out to the Father from the cross and he asks for forgiveness for the ones who have hung him there. He reminds us in the book of Matthew that we can and should live out this kind of gentleness because of the gentleness, the forgiveness, that we have been shown by God. Let's give the most calloused, hardened parts of our hearts to him. The parts that are hurt and angry and, and maybe validly so. But we can ask God to take those parts and to soften them again, that we might live out of the fruit of gentleness. Gentleness gives, callousness takes. What about faithfulness? Faithfulness gives and alienation takes. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Living with faithfulness means that even when we don't feel it, we are leaning into the promises of God. It also means that we remain faithful to what God has called us to. And how many of you know that it is way easier to stay committed to a cause or to a goal when you're doing it alongside of others who can encourage you and who can hold you accountable? God does not ask us to just remain faithful on our own, but to be part of Christian community that spurs us on. Alienation, which, which means being separated from a group or from an activity that you should be connected to. Alienation takes. It takes away our encouragement. It takes away the opportunity for generosity and for growth. And it takes away consistency in our walk with Christ. What has God called you or who has God called you to be faithful to? Lean into those spaces. Lean into those callings and relationships and invite others to join you because faithfulness gives and alienation takes. Next we're going to look at self-control. Self-control gives, self-indulgence takes. This one is just so counter-cultural. Self-control means that you regulate your emotions, you regulate your behaviors, 
even in the face of temptations and impulses. The world tells us that living our best lives looks like embracing all of the me-first thoughts that pop up. Timothy Keller says it best, we see that freedom is not what the culture tells us. Real freedom comes from a strategic loss of some freedoms in order to gain others. It is not the absence of constraints, but it is the choosing of the right constraints and the right freedoms to lose. So self-indulgence is this cycle. It becomes this cycle that leads to so many of the, the takers that we've talked about today. It puts the focus on us rather than on others around us and then on Christ. It puts our resources into us rather than into those that we are called to serve and to love. It puts our eyes and our minds and our hearts on our own problems and on our own anxieties rather than on the peace that we've been given. And if, if you're like me, you know that when we get our minds so centered on our anxieties, it doesn't calm our anxieties. It only blows them up even bigger. But self-control, when we regulate those emotions, when we, when we stop and we give them to God and we begin to put our eyes back on the things that he has called us to, that's when we find the peace that we've been promised. Self-control gives, self-indulgence takes. You might have noticed that, that the first word on our list, love, that we've saved it. I saved love for last because love gives. This is the thesis of what we've been digging into today. Love gives. It's the love of God for his people, for you and for I, that gives us freedom. Freedom from the ickiest parts of ourselves. And it allows us to live out that same kind of love. We live it out in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in generosity, in gentleness, in faithfulness, and in self-control. These gifts allow us to love more fully and more authentically than we would ever have been capable of on our own. It's freedom. It's freedom to live in the love of Christ. Love gives. If you have been feeling trapped, if the things that you thought you wanted haven't lived up to the hype, if letting go just feels too scary or too uncertain, there is hope. There is a promise of freedom that isn't just a fuzzy feeling word, but it's a concrete picture of the life that we can live when we are living out of the Spirit of Christ. And as Paul wrote in his letter to the Galatians, the flesh has already been crucified. The old parts that take, the jealousy, the impatience, the selfishness, the greed, these are gone, and the new has been given to us, the joy, the kindness, the love. So we get to make a choice today about whether or not we are going to let go of our metaphorical rock wall, those things that we think have been keeping us safe, the desires that, that our flesh tells us we need, are we going to let go of those in order to embrace the gifts that we've been given? We can choose to walk these things together, to put each other before ourselves, and to live in this true freedom that is given to us in Christ.
this morning, maybe for the first time, you are learning about who Jesus is, about what it looks like to live in the things that he's modeled for us. And, and if you'd like to learn more about that, we would be overjoyed to talk to you. You can always reach out to us online. You can talk to somebody right now in our message feed and just say, hey, tell me more. Where can I go for resources? Ask a question that's been on your mind as you've, as you've heard us talking and studying Galatians together this morning. Maybe for you, these stories weren't new. Maybe you know the fruits of the Spirit like me. Maybe you have a little song in your mind that you remember from when you were a child. And this morning, God wants to remind us of the ways that we can live in freedom. We're going to pray together in just a moment. And you can just pray right along with me that God would speak to each of us this week and that he would show us what it looks like to really live these things out. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us freedom in Christ. God, that it's not something that's being withheld from us, that there are not a list of rules that we have to follow, but that we can simply believe in you and live out of these incredible gifts, these incredible fruits of the Spirit. God, I ask that this morning that you would maybe even lay a specific aspect of this on each of our hearts. God, maybe it's gentleness, maybe it's joy, maybe it's loving the people around us in deeper ways. God, that you would give us one of those things to focus on and to practice in intentional ways this week. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can go to it and find it as a tool and as a resource for the ways that we are called to live our lives. God, thank you for being present and with us this morning. We love you and we praise you for the freedom that you bring. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm so glad that you were able to join us online. You can stay connected with us all week long on Facebook and on Instagram and on our website at bwch.org. In fact, you can even share a prayer request. Our team would love to be praying with you. If you're looking for any of those things, feel free to reach out in the comments or to check us out online, and we would love to connect with you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.